Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Shop and Rant with me. I've been gone for a couple weeks, and I do apologize for that. I um, I was sick, and I just was not feeling good at all. A lot of it was in my nose and throat, and so I just I didn't feel like talking and stuff, and I was just very tired and fatigued. But I'm very happy to come back now. I do apologize if I sound a little stuffy in the nose. I'm still dealing with a lot of sinus crap. But um, today, we're going to talk about another weird mystery. This time, uh, we will be discussing the Hinter Kafek murders. This occurred on the evening of March 31st, 1922. Uh, this was uh, 43 miles north of Munich, Germany, uh, of a, and it takes place at a small Bavarian farmstead. So let's 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 talk about this this uh, this strange happening. Um, this is focused on the Gruber family. There is, I do apologize if I. Uh, mispronouncing any of these, there is Andreas Gruber, who was 63 years old. There is Kazilia Kiz Gruber, 72. Their widowed daughter, Victoria Gabriel, 35. Victoria's children, Kazilia, uh, who was seven, and Joseph, who was two. And their maid, Maria Baumgartner, who was 44. Um... So let's talk about uh, what what has happened. Um, so before the before the murders, there were strange things happening around that time. Uh, six months before the attack, there the maid quit. She had claimed that she kept hearing strange sounds in the attic and believed the house to be haunted. Um. Andreas Gruber found a strange newspaper from Munich on the property, uh, even though he couldn't remember buying it and thought maybe the postman had lost the newspaper. Um, but that wouldn't be the case as no one in the vicinity even subscribed to their newspaper. And uh, even then, just days before the murders, Mr. Gruber told neighbors that he found tracks in the snow that led from the forest to a broken door lock in the farm's machine room. Um, later in the in the night, in those days prior, um, Gruber found heard footsteps in the attic, but found no one when he searched. And even though he told several people about this, he refused any help, and the details went unreported to the police. Um, according to a school friend of Kazilia, the, the seven-year-old, uh, she said that her mother, Victoria, had fled the farm the night before the act after a violent quarrel and only hours later had been found in the forest. Um, so, uh, on the day of the murder, uh, specifically that afternoon, they got a new maid, Maria Baumgartner. And Maria's sister had escorted her there and left the farm after a short stay. So Maria's sister was probably the last person to see these people alive. Um, 
the in that evening, Victoria, her seven-year-old daughter, and her parents were all lured to the family barn through the stable, uh, one by one, where they were murdered. Now, the supposed perpetrator or perpetrators used a mattock belonging to the family farm and killed the family with blows to the head. Um, a mattock is basically like a uh, pick. It's, it's like a pickaxe in a way. Uh, and killed each of the family with blows to the head. And then the perpetrator would have moved into the living quarters with the same murder weapon, killed two-year-old Joseph sleeping in his bassinet, and then killed the maid in her bedchamber. Uh, four days had passed before someone even knew that they were dead. And on April 1st, coffee sellers arrived to take an order. And no one responded to the knocks on the door and to the window. And they found nobody. But uh, they noticed that the gate to the machine house was open. Uh, and so that was, that was you know, something interesting to them. Not only that, but um, young Kazilia was absent without excuse for several days from school. And the family failed to show up for Sunday worship. Um, so then on April 4th, an assembler went to the farm to repair the engine of the food chopper. And he said that he had not seen any of the family and had heard nothing but the sounds of the farm animals and the dog inside the barn. After waiting for an hour, he decided to start his repair, which he completed in about four and a half hours. Uh, around 3.30 p.m., Lorenz Schlittenbauer sent his son, Jonah, and his stepson, Joseph, uh, they are 16 and 9, respectively, uh, sent them to the Hinterkaifeck homestead to see if they could make contact with the family. They then rep reported that they did not see anyone, so Mr. Schlittenbauer went himself with two other people, uh, Michael Pohl and Jacob Sigel, and they entered the barn and found the bodies. Shortly after, they um, found the other two, the maid, and the youngest family member murdered in the home. So then there were the investigations. And they, I believe they interviewed over 100 people, you know. Um, it, the, the, the investigations, you know, this was, bodies were moved, items moved around, um, even and so here's here's the strange part. Uh, people didn't think they were you know anything wrong because you know it took so long, uh, but that's because the chimney was still going. You know the, the fire, the smoke. So they thought everything was fine. The, the neighbors did. Um, it is believed that the perpetrator um, cooked and ate meals in the kitchen, and it is uh, apparently the perpetrator fed and took care of the animals and even uh, milked the cows. Um, they, they, they think that the mad talk was the most likely murder weapon, even though the weapon itself was not the scene. And then there was also evidence that showed that the young seven-year-old girl, uh, Kazilia had been alive for several hours after the assault. 
uh, as she had torn her hair out in tufts while laying in the lying in the straw. Uh, you know, the police first suspected maybe it was robbery, and they interrogated craftsmen, vagrants, and other people around the villages. And um, they did find a large amount of money found in the house, so that didn't make any sense then. So they abandoned that theory. Um, but yeah, it was clear that the perpetrator or perpetrators had remained on the farm for several days. So that was, that was, yeah. They uh, they made a list of suspects, and this was this was 1922, mind you. So this is this is, this is actually almost a hundred years um, since that time. Um, there they they did some arrests, but the murderer was never found, and the files were closed in 1955, and the last interrogation took place in '86. Um, however, in the investigation, there were all their, their other inconsistencies. Um, you know, it was thought that the victims were probably drawn to the barn by restlessness in the stable, resulting in noises from the animals. A later attempt, however, revealed that the, at least human screams from the barn could not be heard in the living area. Um, on the night after the crime... Three days before the bodies were discovered, um, an artisan happened to pass by the farm and observed the oven had been heated by someone. Um, that person had a pert. Um, um, the excuse me, <laughs> that that person who heated the oven had approached him with a la lantern and blinded him. Whereupon he hastily continued on his way, and he noticed that the smoke from the fireplace had a horrible smell. This instance was not investigated, and there were no investigations conducted to determine what had been burned that night in the oven. On April 1st, at 3 a.m., the farmer and butcher, Simon Reislander, uh, on the way home, saw two unknown figures at the edge of the forest. When the stranger saw him, they turned around so that their faces could not be seen. Later, when he heard of the murders, he thought it was possible that the strangers might have been involved. And finally, the last one of the last inconsistencies was in the middle of May 1927. A stranger was said to have stopped a resident of um, Vaidhofen at midnight and asked him questions about the murder, then shouted that he was the murderer before he ran into the woods, and the stranger was never identified. Of course, you know, all this stuff is to be taken, you know, with grains of salt, because, yeah... Uh, just very, very interesting stuff on this. Um, there's many suspects. Um, Victoria's late husband has been considered, but he died during the First World War, but his body was never recovered. Um, Victoria had given birth to Joseph illegitimately in her husband's absence, and actually, it was rumored that two-year-old Joseph was the son of Victoria and her father, Andreas, who had an incestuous relationship that was documented in court and known in the village. Um, 
actually, and then uh, here's a fun fact. Um, at the end of the Second World War, um, captives from the Schrobenhausen region who were released prematurely from Soviet captivity claimed that they had been sent home by a German-speaking Soviet officer who claimed to be the murderer of the homestead. Um, but, you know, it that was... Uh, the statements were kind of diminished and their credibility diminished. Uh, some theorize that the, the Soviet might have been Karl... Um, because those that claim to have seen the man after his report of death testified that he had always wanted to go to Russia. Uh, another suspect was Lawrence Schlittenbauer, who sent his sons to go check up on the family. Uh, his wife had passed away prior, and it was believed that he was going to, he was starting to have a relationship with Victoria, and he was the one who followed Joseph. Um. Yeah, and, you know, when him and his friends came to investigate, they had to break a gate to enter the barn because all the doors were locked. Uh, but apparently after finding the four bodies, he apparently unlocked the front door with a key and suspiciously entered the house alone. And the, a key to the house had gone missing several days before the murders. Though it's, you know, possible that Victoria could have given him a key. He... um claimed that he went to the house alone to look for uh, Joseph. It is known that he had disturbed the bodies at the scene, so yeah. There was a lot of local suspicion because of his weird comments and stuff, uh, especially some that were seen indicating knowledge of details that only the killer would have known. Um... According to reports in the files for the case, a local teacher discovered Schlittenbauer visiting the remains of the Hinterkaifeck homestead in 1925. Uh, the, the place was torn down afterward. Um, the teacher asked why Schlittenbauer was there, and he said that the perpetrators attempted to bury the family's remains in the barn had been hindered by the frozen ground. Um, this was seen as evidence that Schlittenbauer had intimate knowledge of the conditions of the ground at the time of the murders. Although being a neighbor and familiar with the local land, he could have been making an educated guess. Um, before his death in 1941, Schlittenbauer conducted and won several civil claims for slander against persons who described him as the murderer. Um... There was, there was other ones, such as the Gump Brothers, um, uh, the sisters of these brothers claimed that on her deathbed had committed the murders. Um, however, they were dismissed, and they could not have been proven. And one of the brothers had already died. But, yes, there's several other suspects, such as... Um, Carl and Andreas S and Peter Weber and the Bickler brothers and George Siegel, the Thaler brothers and Paul Muller. But who knows? <laughs> so yeah, the place was um, torn down and there's now a shrine near the site of the former farmstead. Um, so this has long been a very interesting um, murder case.
case, considering just how brutal it is. And um, it's considered one of the most gruesome and puzzling unsolved crimes in German history. Uh, the fact that the dead bodies were stacked up in the barn and, you know, it's very interesting to think what this, what happened here. Me, frankly, I, I have no idea. I don't know. The only person to know is the perpetrator, in my opinion. Um, but the, this murder, and this has probably been done a million times on other um, podcasts. I just wanted to say it just so I could bring that out to the attention of other people. But I always implore you to look at other podcasts and videos about the Hinterkaifig murders. I probably skipped over a crap ton of stuff. I just like putting it up there and kind of giving a summary um, about what happened. I hope I'm still recording. I am. Okay, cool. But yes, so it, this is still unsolved, still unknown. Um, the the Lawrence Sch, uh, Schlittenbauer one is probably one of the best guess ones in my opinion. That's if I had to take a guess, it's probably him, or it's probably just a random passerby. And I always found that horror to be the most effective. Um, in, 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 um, horror movies is when you have the stranger, you know, apparently coming out of the woods and just killing them. Um, kind of like the movie, uh, the stranger or the strangers, uh, they, they just appear out of nowhere and just, you know, they, they wreck havoc. And so it's, it's curious to think whether this was planned or whether this was someone who just randomly picked this um, homestead and just was like, I'm just going to murder everyone. So it, it's quite a fascinating story. Um, there are photos of um, of the bodies. Um, it's It's not like very very gruesome there's only like really one bad one and it's just a body laying in the hay um you can't even see their face or anything it's partially buried um i guess there's another photo yeah i am looking at the photos right now there is another photo um but you don't see any faces or any like blood or anything gruesome like that um so if you do want to look at um, look more into that, I would um, be wary of the of the pictures. So yeah, that's it, it's so brutal and it's very sad, especially with the seven year old girl who was fatally injured and had her and was tearing her own hair out um, next to the corpse of her mother and grandparents. That's traumatizing for your last moments um in life but it's it's all strange you know there's the incest relationship there's the strange happenings before um the the, the, the what am i thinking of uh strange happenings before the murders and actually i almost forgot to mention this there's a woman in 1999 who claimed her former landlord admitted to having info about the killings 
Um, he apparently made this claim back in 35. However, it's too late to talk to him about it as he was no longer alive. Um, and then later in 2007, more than 80 years after the killing, students at a German police academy used modern techniques to investigate the case. And they ruled out all but one suspect that they believe committed the murders. However, the suspect is dead at this point, so they didn't publicly name the person they think was responsible for the massacre out of respect for the suspect's relatives who are still alive. Um, so this is this is most likely going to be one of those things in, in Earth's history that we will just be a strange, bizarre pl- um, blot in, in, in the long annals of Earth's history that, you know, it makes for an interesting case. And it's it's one of many, many cases of, of something strange happening on our planet that is completely unsolved. And, you know, one could always jump into conspiracy theories, but you can, this is just this is just a horrible, horrible murder. And, you know, when we think of a serial killer, you often think of like the um 70s and uh 80s you know with those murderers but really there's some pretty brutal ones back in those 20s and 30s and stuff um i actually i should do that on some of those serial killers and stuff but what what a yeah it's it's such a bizarre bizarre case and at this point i'm rambling now uh this is 21 and a half minutes i have about nine more minutes but yeah, I hope you enjoyed that um, episode. I again, I apologize for uh, not having a new episode out. Like I said, I've been sick and I've also been kind of busy lately. I will try and do another um, podcast, hopefully on Saturday. I'd like to do another one. But for now, uh, I hope you enjoyed. Um, please go and. Um, research this yourself and I hope you have a great day. Thank you.